welcome to the Moms for America podcast. I'm Debbie Carlitis, your host, and I am so glad that you are here today as always. Right every week, we gather together to inspire, encourage, and educate each other in our journey through motherhood. We believe that liberty begins at home and that you mamas, you are raising the next generation of patriots. Uh, on the front end, let's just remind you to stop by and visit our website, which is momsforamerica.us. Sign up for our mom memo. That way you'll get all of our information every week, um, everything about our podcast to our cottage meetings, all the resources. It is a killer, killer website for moms. So um, please stop by. Um, as I mentioned, right, we are here to provide insight and resources um, and help heal America from the inside out. That's what we do as moms, right? We invest in our children, we invest in our community, and we change the world because what we say yes to. So we love having moms on the podcast that God uses in mighty ways, right? Our special guest today is a friend of mine. She has an incredibly powerful story. Her name is Jill Stanick. Jill was a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department at a Christian evangelical hospital here in Illinois. She went to work one night as usual, right? But what she discovered that night completely changed her life. I'm gonna leave you here on that quick cliffhanger um, because I want you to stay. This story will inspire you. This story changed her life. Stories like this happen all across America. And we wanna encourage you as moms to do what God will maybe be putting in front of you because we, we are going to change the world, right? So Jill, I want to go ahead and welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for joining me, my friend. Thanks for having me, Deb. Oh, Jill is one of my, she's one of my mentor heroes. Um, and you'll know why as we get through this podcast. But before we start, um, can you uh, tell me a little bit about your family? I know you're a mom and a grandma. Uh, tell us about the Stanick family. Uh, we, Rich and I have been married 40 years. We Yay. have, yes, we have uh, three kids, two boys and a girl. I have 13 grandsons and 13. one granddaughter, one prince. <laughs> so it's You're busy. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. Before we get into the personal story, can you kind of just tell us what you're doing now, what your title is? And I know you have a project you're working on. And then we're going to dive into what happened when you went to work years ago. Go ahead. I've been with SBA, Susan B. Anthony List, for over six years. And the last year and a half, I've been working on a project called Her Plan, which PLAN is an acronym and stands for Pregnancy and Life Assistance Network. And it came about when Marjorie Dannenfoss, our CEO, just realized that Roe is coming to an end. And when Roe is overturned, there will be 30 states that either outlaw abortion immediately or lean ready to. And so we want to make sure that those states are ready. And what our plan is doing is helping make sure that um, pregnant moms in need have a safety net. Wow. They don't have abortion. Abortion is just a symptom of a problem, deeper problem. Right. And we want to help them solve those problems. And be wow. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Now on the people understand why you're doing what you're doing now, as we go through your, your journey here. Um, I remember this so clearly. Um, well, I don't know what year this was. Was it 98 or 90? 99. 
99. All right. Tell us about what happened here. You're, you're a nurse in the labor delivery department and you go to school. I mean, you go to school. I'm thinking about my kids with school. You go, you go to work and um, it's the night shift correctly. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. And you discover um, a situation. Tell us what happened that night when you went to work. I'd been working as a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department of Christ Hospital on the southwest side of Chicago for a year without knowing that abortion was going on all around me clandestinely. But I heard a report that we were aborting a second trimester baby that night with Down syndrome. And that's the first I learned about it. And then I learned that the method of abortion that Christ Hospital used and still uses sometimes resulted in babies being aborted alive. And if they were aborted alive, they were allowed to die without any medical intervention whatsoever. So now you go to work and this is happening that evening. How do you find out that there is a baby that is not being taken care of? I mean, I mean, obviously you were shocked. How, how does this happen? How, how, who told you this? Well, I mean, you, I'm sure you were like, what? Yes, it was in report and um, that started me on an investigation about what was going in on. And I found that Christ Hospital would abort into the third trimester, one baby was 28 weeks along. About one fourth of the babies survived anywhere from a few minutes to one lived almost as long as an eight hour shift. And if parents didn't want to hold the babies uh, and nurses didn't have time or inclination to hold the babies, they were relegated to our soiled utility room to die. That's what I discovered after that first night. So that night you found out about this baby you went and you saw the baby. I think the baby was what, 22 weeks old? No, this was just finding out that it was going on altogether. Okay. And then finding out what they did when babies survived. And okay. uh, when, knowing I had to do something about it, but not really knowing, procrastinating. Right. Until one night, a nursing coworker was taking a little baby who'd been aborted because he had Down syndrome to the soil utility room to die. And when she told me what she was doing, I couldn't bear the thought of the suffering child dying alone. And so I cradled and rocked him for the 45 minutes that he lived. He was between 21 and 22 weeks old. He was about the size of my hand. Mm. He didn't move very much. He was using all of his energy, attempting to breathe. And toward the end of his life, I couldn't tell if he was alive or not unless I held him up against the light to see if I could see his heart beating through his chest wall because their skin is so thin at that age. And after he was pronounced dead, folded his little arms across his chest, tied them together with a little string, took him to the morgue where we took all of our dead patients. And that 45 minutes converted me from being... Wow an ambivalent pro-life or personally pro-life, but not wanting to be like one of the crazy people to becoming one of the crazy people, becoming an activist and just spending my life ever since then trying to stop this atrocity. You talk about a scripture that spoke to you. Um, what Proverbs 24. Tell us about that scripture because I, when God speaks to us and he puts a situation, so here you're holding this little child and watching it die, wanting to help it as, as a nurse. 
wondering how could something like this be happening in a soiled utility room? But God called you to do amazing things. And, and this was very tough, right? So tell us about the scripture that God spoke to you about. After I held the baby, I knew I had two choices. One was to leave the hospital, of course, and one was right. to fight. And a scripture that I read just made the difference. And it was Psalm 24, Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. And it says, rescue those who have unjustly been sentenced to death. Don't stand back and let them die. Don't try to disclaim responsibility by saying that you didn't know for the Lord who knows all hearts knows you knew, and he will reward everyone according to his deeds. And I thought those were my marching orders to stay and fight. So you did stay and fight. And uh, this became a, a big story here locally. And I guess you would say nationally. Um, you stayed at the hospital for a while. You looked to administration. Tell us what happened when you decided to expose or get things changed. It was, it was difficult on many levels for you. I went by Matthew 18. If you see someone in sin, then you first approach them privately to appeal to them to stop. If that doesn't work, you take back a couple of witnesses. And if that doesn't work, you take the matter before the church, so to speak. So um, I wrote a letter to the administrators of the hospital because I couldn't believe that these religious leaders knew what was going on. Right. And I wanted to mention that um, you'd said it was an evangelical hospital. It, it, it's affiliated with two denominations, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and the United Church of Christ. Trinity United was closely tied to mm. Obama's church, but these uh, were mainstream pro-abortion church denominations, which I didn't even know existed. Okay. Involved just to cl clarify. Okay. Then, um, when they wouldn't stop, went public and news spread very quickly because number one, this was the first time this method of abortion had been publicized. People didn't know about it. And the fact that it was being committed at a hospital named Christ just, um, the word just spread like wildfire. And I determined from the onset I wasn't going to hide. If I was going to go public, I was going to, they were going to know who I was and I wasn't going to quit. I figured <laughs> you said in the intro that even if I didn't know what was going on there, when I went there, God knew. Right. And, uh, I just thought, especially because there was a big old, and there still is a big old gold yellow cross in the top of the hospital. I just thought this was so blasphemous what was going on inside. So I stayed until I got fired two years later, um, and I prayed along the way that I wouldn't get fired for being for professional lapses. And you know, I was fired for things having to do with my speaking out mm -hmm. against the hospital. What ends up this hospital is that right was the first hospital in the United States to be publicly expo exposed for committing live birth abortions. Yes, I, I can't say like it was a first hospital ever, but it was the first hospital that got publicity that people. Right. This is the way that the American public learned about induced labor abortion, which is what this procedure is called. Right. When you think about the journey, um, this is kind of something I like you to talk to the moms about is where, as they're listening, when, when, when you step out in obedience, <laughs> you have a, you go down a, 
a path or a journey that is an incredible ride with God. But you now have become a national figure fighting for the for the born and the unborn. Um, to moms maybe that are being challenged or maybe looking at a situation, we all have a different story, right? Um, what would you say to them? Because I get mom to mom about, you can do this. You can make a difference by standing up. Well, I would say, first of all, that God also knew my negative qualities when he <laughs> task. And so he can use any part of you for good. And in my case, you know, I, I have a little bit of a resistance to authority and can be a little passive aggressive. And like he, he used that to make me stand tall. And the other part, another thing is that you don't go looking for big things. Um, you just do the next thing that God tells you to do. And it's important to pay attention to the little things in life. Mm. Also, it was very important. My husband, I brought him along all the way before I went public. I told him I might get fired over this. And I carried our family's insurance, 401k. And um, he, he was very supportive. And that's, that's very important, too, to have supportive husbands. Yes. <sighs> Joe, I mean... I, th I think of everything you went through and, and, and how tense that was, but um, tell, you know, take us. I want to say, Deb, I was petrified the whole uh, way. If you, if people think. No, I remember you telling me I am scared to death. I mean, I remember we were doing, we had signs out in front of the hospital saying we stand for life or stop abortions. Or, you know, when you hear that somebody's holding this little lifeless child, this child just trying to breathe and and to the mamas that have, have been in a situation like this there's no condemnation there is only forgiveness through christ right. and and where we go and what we do but this this is something that was not easy to stand for and not easy to like you said put everything on the line no i just just kept first of all i just asked god not to make any of my decisions difficult you yeah. know to clearly and plainly know his will, not to like hide his will around a corner or anything, you know, but that I would know what was going on, that I would know what he wanted me to do next. And I also began taking my Bible with me to work every night. And when I'd be called in for these meetings, I would bring in my nurse's bag and I would sit in these meetings and, and my hand would be on top of the Bible and just bringing me comfort that way. And there, the Bible really does come alive when you're in a situation like that. I, I named that, mentioned that verse, but like many others popped out mm -hmm. or songs popped out that just helped keep me on, on the path. Mm -hmm. What uh, is the hospital still performing these abortions and what have they done? I know they did some kind of room there. What have they, they haven't corrected anything. Well, well, speaking to the room first, um, after I went public and I was telling the world that Christ Hospital was shoving little abortion survivors in this soiled utility room, you know, which is where you put your dirty linens, your, your dirty instruments, there's a urinal in there. They created what they called the comfort room. 
And this was a small, nicely decorated room, complete with a first photo machine in case parents wanted professional pictures taken of their aborted babies. Supplies in case they wanted their aborted babies baptized and a foot printer and baby brace bracelets in case they wanted keepsakes for their aborted babies. And uh, your mom's listing can Google Christ Hospital comfort room and the pictures will pop up. I had them entered in the congressional testimony. So I forgot what your other question, what you want else you wanted me to mention. What is the hospital? I mean, is this something that did, did they stop this? Is this still something they perform the procedure? They, it turned out that they'd been um, committing this for 20 years since 1978 with no policy. What's they, they were just doing it under the radar. After I went public, they developed a policy. They said they weren't gonna stop, but um, they were, it, this is part of advocate healthcare systems, which is one of the 10 largest healthcare systems in the US. So they decided that they were gonna confine their abortions to their three level three mother baby hospitals. This was back in like 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. And that's the last I knew that they were going to still abort for fatal anomalies for health and life of the mother for incest and for selective reduction, which is if you're carrying more than one baby, the hospital would offer to um, kill, you know, the twin or, or triplets. And so as far as I know, that policy is still in place. Wow. Your journey has lent you on um, fighting for life on a, a lot of, in, in Congress and in our states. Um, can you tell us about the, the, the bill that was passed? Sure. I, <laughs> when I went public, it turned out that there was a bill being heard on the federal level called the Born Alive Infants Protection Act. Yes. It was simply a three-sentence definitions bill that said any baby born alive, no matter what gestational age, no matter what reason for being born, is a constitutionally protected person. And this is how far abortion has brought us, that some people thought and still think that if a mom wants to terminate her pregnancy, she should be allowed to say that that baby dies on the other side of delivery. But this, this law said, no, we don't like that you can have them up to delivery, but you cannot have them after delivery. But in, when, when it was devised, it was a theory. And so my experience coming along just coincidentally, you know, made it real. And so I was asked to testify for the federal born alive bill. And then meanwhile, in Illinois, the state born alive bill was introduced. And that's where I met uh, then state Senator Barack Obama, who uh, voted against the bill four separate times. And yep, he was, it can safely be said, the most pro-abortion, pro-infanticide president we've ever had, you know, as he consequently became Incredible. Um, what about some updates uh, nationally? We hear about life abortion um, in the news all the time. Uh, there's there's a battle for the Hyde Amendment. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, the bill is called the Women's Health Protection Act, completely labeled, and it's a federal bill brought about because they're afraid that Roe is going to be overturned and it would wipe out almost all state local and federal abortion law, and it would forbid legislators from introducing 
legislation on to stop abortion from here on out. It's a terrible bill. Unreal. And it excludes the Hyde Amendment, which the Hyde Amendment says no federal money can be used for abortion. So you've got the liberals on the one hand in Congress saying they're not going to vote for the bill if the Hyde Amendment is put in back in. And this is the first time since Hyde was introduced, I think, in 1976. But don't quote me on that. But it was a long time ago. This is the first time it was ever excluded. Right. So then you've got them saying they're never going to, if you add it back in, we're not signing on to this spending bill. And then you've got Senator Manchin saying, if you, because he's pro-life, even mm-hmm. though he's, he says, if you exclude Hyde Amendment, I'm not going to vote for the bill. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's not just the money that they're wrangling over right now. There are components in the bill that are very important. They're also hard. I'm sure. Uh, what about the Texas heartbeat law? Well, 2022 is going to be the biggest year for the pro-life movement since Roe v. Wade. The biggest year. Yeah, in part, uh, really more so because of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Healthcare Organization out of Mississippi. Okay. Mississippi passed a law that forbade abortions after 15 weeks. And this is a completely sensible bill. 47 out of 50 European countries ban abortions after 15 weeks. The U.S. is one of only seven countries in the world that allows abortion on demand all the way up to delivery elective for whatever reason. For whatever reason, right. Yeah, we're in company with China and North Korea. You know, this is not company that we want to keep. So Dobbs would really get to the heart of Roe v. Wade and... Um, their attorney general is arguing for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. She's cogent. Her written um, um, her written reviews before the Supreme Court are just beautiful and is going to be argued December 1st and decided next June 30th. And this would be like the first time that we're not nipping around the edges. This would, you know, this could save millions and millions of babies if this if this stands and if Roe is overturned all the better and then you mentioned the heartbeat bill in Texas that's been getting a lot of yes right well Texas passed a law that banned abortions when a baby's heart is beating yeah and they uh used a innovative way to um enforce it and that is through citizenry citizens arrest really like Gomer Pyle used to say, but this is for real, that any private citizen can sue, file a civil lawsuit against an abortionist or anybody who is either aiding in an abortion or helping a woman procure an abortion. So the government isn't involved in this, and that's what sets this this law apart. Mm -hmm. When I went up to the Supreme Court a month, month and a half ago, they let it stand because there was no hook for the other side to cry that it shouldn't be enforced. And then since so, it's been many weeks since abortion has been legal for most abortions in Texas. And it's been going back and forth between um, a local judge, between the circuit court to the Supreme Court. I just read this morning that the um, Biden DOJ is appealing again to the Supreme Court uh, the Supreme Court hasn't like ruled on the merits of the heartbeat bill. 
they've just ruled that technic technicality wise, you know, they're not in a position to, you know, make a make a decision on it. So they very well could down the road say that it's uh, unconstitutional, at least as they understand Roe. But right now, for many weeks, um, Texas has been abortion free, which Wow. To say we achieved panacea, you know, there's still moms going across state lines to get abortion. Right. We also have to worry about the moms that are in Texas. Texas has um, applied $100 million to help moms in need. So it's not like Texas is, I hate when they, the other side says that we only care about the babies till we're born. That is absolutely false. But State of Texas is also putting its money where its mouth is, along with pro-lifers within the state. But we have to pray for those moms because some of them are in desperate straits. Right. Oh, we do. We need to be praying for the babies. We need to be praying for the moms in our crisis situation. We need to be praying that organizations like uh, your organization can help. Um, Jill, mention that uh, website again so people can and write that down. Would you please? Web, my website? Yeah. It's, called, it's very simple, herplan.org. They can go there and find out about more about what we're doing. Yeah, I want to make sure that the moms know about that for sure, and we'll put it here on our video. Um, thanks, Jill. I mean, we, we need to just be encouraging one another and fighting for truth and fighting for life, and um, there's not a moment off, right? See, who knows what God has for each of us, but I know a lot of our moms are pro-life, and Maybe a, a lot of our moms, you know, are dealing with some guilt and some issues um, from their history, and and we love them, and we want we want to bless them today. We this it's 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 a hard topic to talk about abortion, right? Yes, but um, if a mom has had an abortion, she can get healing through yes. through Jesus, and doesn't have to live with that um, anymore. There's it is not the unforgivable sin. Uh, so I would encourage them because if you allow Satan to mess with your mind and not, you know, say, I can't get involved in the fight to stop abortion. I had one, right. That, that's letting him win. Yes, it is. You're right. If you're quiet about it. So don't let him win. Don't let him or other moms into doing what, what, what you did, you know, with under whatever circumstances that you were in. Right. That's what's so great about Jesus forgiveness. Mm -hmm. in a new life. Um, so we, we love you moms out there. And we just, we hope that this was an interesting and challenging, um, podcast because Jill just stepped out, you know, Jill, Jill said, yes, God, God put her in a situation and we're going to be all in situations, whether it's through parenting or a job or we'll walk in or we have to stand for our principles. We have to stand for our, our, our faith. Um, this is a part of our our journey here on earth until God takes us home. So thanks, Joe, and keep fighting the fight. And I know that sounds generic, but I just love that you are out there fighting for the babies, sharing your story and encouraging other people to do the same. And Debbie, thank you so much. You were with me all along the way and you did go in and protest to the hospital. I, did. I held up my sign. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. All right. We love you, Jill. And to all the mamas out there too, um, make sure you stop by our website, please, momsforamerica.us. Check out the cottage meetings, get involved. And so, I mean, we have everything from life to medical freedom to how to homeschool, 
cottage meetings, how to teach your children the principles of liberty. So please stop by because it's moms who love America that are going to save America. And it's mm-hmm. moms who, you know, who are, we always say everything's a mom issue, right? If we can get the moms healthy and strong and empowered and encouraged, they're going to change their world. They're going to teach their children and they're going to be better um, because we are all about encouraging one another. So thanks moms. Uh, we love you and um, keep making a difference in your home, your community, your country. And remember, Let's keep changing the world one home at a time. Thanks so much.